Hey everyone, it's Agrita here. This is a slightly different start to the episode, as you can hear, but it's really so that we can bring our focus to a mindful practice I will be beginning for the show. So before every conversation I have with my guests, I will now be taking deep breaths with them so that we can really ground ourselves and co-create a safe space for each other. I have always been conscious of the manner in which I engage in conversation with my guests and a lot of the time, particularly because of the time constraint we have for each episode, sometimes I can unintentionally seem extractive or become really hyper-conscious of myself being extractive. And I've always wanted to embody slow living, but I have always somewhat struggled to do so. And I really, really credit Tiffany Cheo for bringing this grounding practice of breathing to this space in the episode that we had together. I realized then that I needed to begin this embodiment practice, but I wasn't able to do this with our guest for today's episode, Dr. Egypt Iredia. So I will be doing this breathing practice with you before this conversation starts to again allow ourselves to calm down, compose ourselves and be vulnerable in this space that I wish you feel is safe. So let's begin. And just to let you know, you can always pause the episode and do your own breathing practices or your own mindful practice. Whatever you are comfortable with, this is your time, your space to engage in the conversations that we're having here, but to also really prioritize yourself. If you are just sitting down and listening to this podcast, you can gently close your eyes. If you're doing something else and you're unable to fully pay attention to this episode and allow yourself to fully focus on your breathing, then you can try to divert your attention as much as you can. You can place your palms on your thighs or you can place your hands on your heart, on your stomach, wherever is comfortable for you or perhaps where a lot of tension lies, a place where you feel a sense of uneasiness. Now in your own time, take a deep breath in, And a deep breath out. Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Inhale. 
and exhale. Final breath for this practice. Take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. When you're ready, gently open your eyes. Thank you all for doing this practice with me or doing a practice that you are more comfortable with, but allowing yourself that time before this episode and before every single episode for mindful of everything and also anything that you begin in terms of your healing journey and dipping into those deeper, more sensitive areas of living. I hope that you always prioritize yourself and take that time out to really tend to your needs, really slow down and be more in touch with your human side. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Agrita Dandrell, and you're listening to the Mindful of Everything podcast, which calls for revolutionary healing of self and community in order to outgrow our broken culture of radical individualism and disconnection from community to collectively re envision a safer, healthier, and equitable world. Today we're joined by Dr. Egypt Iredia. Metaphorically, multi-passionism brings for me a sense of fluidity to life, a sense of flow, a sense of we can embody different aspects or different sub-personalities of us. We can be the creative, we can be the logical thinker, we can embrace the structured, we can embrace more flexibility in our life. So it allows for a sense of movement in terms of how we think and how we go through life, especially if we have passions that on the surface of it don't seem similar. Egypt is a holistic medical doctor, naturopathic physician, multi-passionate creative, healer, poet, metaphysician and non-linear creative. She believes that minimalism, slow living and living a spiritual and intentional life powerful healing forces and that we can use all of our wonderful gifts to show up authentically in our lives. Her mission is to empower people to live calmer, connected, healthier, conscious and creative lives. Welcome to Mindful of Everything, Egypt. Thank you so much for accepting to come into this space to talk to us about something that I deeply connect with and I'm sure others would as well. Great. Thank you for having me on to your show. Agreed. I appreciate <laughs> this this topic of multipassionism. I'm sure that a lot of people listening or just in our day-to-day lives, it's is a concept that we perhaps are not familiar with in terms of the systems that we live in 
and the sort of structure that we're used to or that we are conditioned to believe in as this is a structure of our life and this, this is how we survive and how we live. So I think to start off the episode, it would be great if you, in your own words and through your own standpoint, could explain to us what multipassionism means to you and when or how you came about in identifying as a multipassionate. So for me, multipassionism is it's a practice and also a perspective of approach in life where I consciously embrace most, if not all of my core passions, and I use them as the driving force to power my professional and my personal life. So it's a life that like all of my passions are an interest that brought to the table of my life. I'm not excluding something because I feel it's less important or it's not going to give me monetary or financial gain or thing like that. So it's just choosing to live in our own authenticity and to be guided by the values, practices or interests that really speak true to our hearts. So that for me is what multi-passionism is. It's living a life that's just passionate and embracing that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you have a career, a back, you come from a background of medicine. And I'm sure a lot of us would know whether we're part of that science community or whether we're not. We all know how structured, how linear uh, science is, contemporary science is. And so I was wondering if you faced any challenges in accepting this lifestyle and um, this perspective of us being allowed to flow into different spaces, us being allowed to pursue all these different passions that we have as humans. Have you faced any challenges professionally? Oh, most definitely. Um, when I first started to, I guess when the inner tension started to build up within me that like, oh, I have more than one passion or more than one purpose in life, it was rather challenging because I was literally at the heat of like my professional training when I fully identified I guess with being a multi-passionate multi-potentialite individual was at the heat of my training I was still in medical school probably like my second year of medical school and it's funny because I I mean I thoroughly enjoyed medicine and learning about the human body and all that good stuff but then at the same time, I was actually doing a degree on the side in philosophy. So I'd enrolled myself for an undergraduate in philosophy. And I would, daytime, I would go to medical school. And then in the evening time, I would take classes in philosophy. And I just found that, like, I was more interested in the philosophy classes than in medicine. And I would bring this forward to, like, some of my colleagues or um, classmates. And, oh, like, you know, I went to this philosophy class and we discussed about this and this and say, you know, Socrates and Plato and what have you, all the different theories and ideologies. And some people would look at me like, you're mad. Like, why do you have that leaning? You're already cold to this profession, <laughs> you know, and why don't you like just focus? It's that thing of like, if someone has another burning passion 
outside their traditional career training pathway, some people perceive that as you being on focus. But for me, it's just that I can train myself to be deeply focused in more than one thing. It's possible. Many humans, millions, billions probably before me have done that, you know. When we sort of look back into time and when we look back into even like pre-Renaissance era, you would have people that say they might have been trained as a blacksmith, but they were also a farmer or they were also like the traditional healer in the village or what have you. That in itself is inherently multi-passionate because they had to do or they had to nurture a few skill sets just to survive and be a complete human being so this notion of specialization is actually pretty recent in human history if we were to look at it from that angle so I did get a lot of um, professional I would say confusion from my colleagues sometimes I would you know because I'm a writer and I'm a poet and that's been something that I've done since my earlier years and I would share some of that interest with other colleagues in the medical field. And a few people did appreciate it, some people that were more artistically inclined. But for the most part, it wasn't, they weren't traits that were encouraged at all in that sector. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that experience. I'd just like to let the audience know that before this conversation, we actually met and there we got to obviously connect over the theme of multipassionism. And one thing you picked up on that I would like to reiterate is having courage to accept this side to us. This side, like you said, that extends well back into our ancestral bodies but it's something that we've forgotten along the way or we have been forced to forget in terms of the systems that we live in now. So I think, well, I'd like to obviously know your thoughts on this. The first step to actually accepting the fact that we don't all need to have just a single calling Mm. is definitely the first step to healing. And for that, you do need courage. So what would you what would you tell the listeners today in terms of how we can gain that courage to free ourselves from i would say this violence of a radical structuralism and just following a single path mm. that's a powerful question there and i really like how you put it about like the violence of radical structuralism i mean that there it just sums it up because it's a uh, almost like a somewhat of a, an attack on the thought processes of, of some people who do not think in that linear, you know, single purpose filled manner. You know, it's like almost like a mental attack in that because it's, it's not encouraged. And, um, yes, it does take courage. I would say one step in the right direction would be just you know, anyone who may identify as a multi-passionate individual having many passions is first of all, stop seeking to explain yourself or seeking permission. Um, I say this from a very personal place. I remember when I strongly identified as multi-passionate, I was like wanted to go out and tell like my friends and family like, oh, look, I'm not flaky. All these different interests I have, it's because I have a term now. I'm multi-passionate. And 
some people resonated with that, but for some people that doesn't really change their opinion of you. And when I really dug inwardly, I found that like almost I was seeking for some kind of justification or some sense of being seen and accepted in my uniqueness by others. And in that process lies a floor inherently because not everybody will understand our narrative. Not everybody will marinate and accept our story because everybody's approaching life for their own conditioning and their own perspective. And sometimes when that doesn't align with their own, there's a discordance that occurs in their soul and they will never let you in. So what gave me a sense of, I guess, serenity in my soul was the fact that I just stopped asking for permission. I gave my own self permission to just be me and to show up in my own truth and be okay with that. Be okay with that without having people to praise me or say I'm walking the right path, just owning your path. I think there's a lot of power that comes from the universe and a lot of power and support comes when we truly own who we are and own our path. There's like an unlocking of emotional and spiritual energy that just kind of pushes us forward. But when we are fighting against our innate natures or trying to explain ourselves to other people, it's that tension, that sense of tension that can arise in our life that actually stagnates us in doing the things that we want to do. So it would be own your truth have a little bit of courage. It just takes a little bit of courage. I don't think you need massive courage because it's step by step, you know, and then the right people will show up, the right support, the right knowledge and wisdom and information will will show up in your life to support that decision that you've made. Yes, thank you. You talked about the universe and essentially multi-passionism, it really embraces maximalism. You know, it's this expansive mindset. But you also talk about minimalism and the necessity of that. And one example you give is online minimalism. So limiting your online presence, perhaps. So do you sometimes feel torn between the two? Between your minimalist and your inner maximalist? And mm. if you go by this philosophy, I would say, of multipassionism, how can we then connect back to minimalism and what power does that hold? Yes. For me, I've come to be more comfortable with existing in the paradoxes, in the spaces that are not black and white. I find those are sometimes the most beautiful spaces to exist in. So in terms of, yes, in one regard, multi-passionism is in a way a maximalist ideology or paradigm of, of approach in life. You're trying to like extract the juice from life, the maximum out of your life. But I found minimalism is a powerful tool to do that. For me, for example, like tying this with the online minimalism, as a digital online minimalist, I find that like just limiting my time and exposure to different social media platforms or um, just limiting my time on the internet in general, it allows me to be able to harness more mental clarity in my life and also to curate the knowledge and information that will best serve my multiple passions. 
because it gives me in this, you know, when you're a multi-passion and this is what I've experienced, sometimes you can almost become lost in your passions and like become unfocused. You want to do this, you want to do that. You are like interested in this and that. If you don't watch your mind and bring a, a, a large sense of presence and awareness, you can get lost in distraction mode and scattered brain monkey mode, as I say. So being a digital minimalist just allows me actually better focus, more time, more mental clarity and more emotional and physical energy to be able to channel towards the few passions that I'm interested in, in to be able to optimize them in a way so it's a beautiful paradox but I actually find just like you know with the whole minimalism especially digital minimalism because there's so much information out there there's so much we could just like marinate ourselves in information non-stop it's they're they're infinity loops each and every platform are just literally infinity loops of your time and your mental energy so being a minimalist for me, the game changer, I mean, I started by being, um, I, I guess a more material minimalist. So I decluttered and organized my home and did all that. But the game changer was mental minimalism, which is curating my experiences and limiting my exposure to information that don't actually, um, sort of optimize my life in any way. So it's really worked beautifully. It's like minimalism for me has been that like the driving force to carry me through to be able to explore my many passions. Yeah. That's something that I've also, um, experienced you know, on online platforms, the information overload that exists can really get to you as a multi-passionate person. It's kind of like being attracted to all these different things that are being offered to you in that space. And sometimes you may think in that split moment that, oh, I am really interested in this passion now, all of a sudden. So, you know, it's a very momentary space sometimes. And Sometimes detaching from that can actually help you to really focus in on what truly makes you who you are and in that way channelize your finite energy into those spaces. A lot of the time I think people forget that we have our own limits, physical, spiritual, emotional, and to respect that, to be within those and to also present them proudly to other people yeah. is really powerful in itself. So I, yeah, I really like how you picked up on, you know, limiting your exposure and your time online. But then at the same time, you do, and in that way, you do have access to key resources and communities that can actually help you develop further. Yes. I next want to talk about something that we slightly touched upon in our first meeting. And it's something that you also mentioned in one of your blogs and one of your recent blogs about this whole idea of finding sort of space where you can move for your different bodies. And I think that's just so important, especially in our current state of being, where we are being restricted in that movement in so many different ways. And so just, you know, sitting back and actually thinking about multi-passionism, you know, it's a concept that is quite new to me and it has made me so excited. So I definitely had to step back and actually reflect on it. And so I was wondering whether 
multi-passionism itself can be contextualized as a mode of movement. Mm. It's a mindset and a philosophy that allows you to take up space. It's a philosophy that allows you to to move in your different bodies mm. and to become, whether it's collectively or individually. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. It's just something that, you know, it's a reflective thought of mine, whether multi-passionism can actually be seen as that mode of movement. Yes. Those are very interesting observations that you have um, crystallized there. I would say the connection between multi-passionism and movement is is strong. <laughs> and when I mean movement, I it's an umbrella term for me. It's movement and also embodiment, you know. It's movement and it's a connection to our physical bodies and our just our physical senses becoming rooted in that. And I would say even like an analogy level or metaphorically, multi-passionism brings for me a sense of fluidity to life a sense of flow, a sense of we can embody different aspects or different sub-personalities of us. We can be the creative, we can be the logical thinker, we can embrace the structured, we can embrace more flexibility in our life. So it allows for a sense of movement in terms of how we think and how we go through life, especially if we have passions that are on the surface of it, don't seem similar. For example, baking and dancing. One practice like dancing allows this more sense of physical embodiment and moving through space, whereas baking, it, you know, it's a creative activity, but then there's a, you know, there's a kind of tactile, tangible nature of touching and connecting with our food. So we can connect with different parts of ourselves. So in that way, multi-passionism brings more movement to our mind, to our lives, to our soul in some ways. And also, I think embodiment practices in general, embodiment and movement practices, you know, breath work, yoga, stretching, running, hiking, mountain climbing, whatever, in of themselves, they're very... um integrative practices that almost they integrate different sides of our bodies and you know breath connects with body connects with movement and also our left and right hemispheres of our brains they work more in sync in different embodiment practices and I've experienced being a multi-passionate person especially someone who does integrate the arts with the sciences I'm a physician I'm also a poet I feel that I am bringing the two sides of my brain to work more harmoniously together because the lens at which I see the world is very um, integrative. I see the world as a connected network. It's not this static, like, for example, the human body. I don't see it as this static connection of blood, nerves, and bones, and tissue. I also see it as, like, spirit and emotions and creativity, and all that's, like, merge. So I guess maybe... I don't know which one feeds into the other, but maybe that's why I'm so fascinated by movement and embodiment practices. Because when I am engaged in those activities, I feel more grounded and more, I feel more of my aliveness and sense of wholeness as a person. And coming back to multi-passionisms, that's the main reason I embrace that role in my life because it makes me feel 
more of a complete human being. Like I haven't left the part of my brain under the pillow when I wake up in the morning just to like think in a like unilateral manner. So yeah, they definitely do um, dance beautifully with each other, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you about multipassionism. You know, it, it allows us to be human again. And just in this current world and under the systems, the oppressive systems, we have sometimes, I feel as if we've lost the touch with humanity, with our inner humans. We often suppress the emotions that are oftentimes labeled as negative or the ways in which we wish to express ourselves. We also suppress that. So movement, in a sense, is, yeah, is so expansive. It, it just expands in so many different places. And um, yeah, I really like how you touched on that. We have that physical element of our bodies, but then it extends well into, you know, the spiritual realm, the universe, just being part of this interconnectedness that we call Earth and just being part of community. That's, I think, the biggest sort of lesson that we can learn yes. from allowing ourselves to take up space in whichever form. Yeah, so thank you so much for giving insight into that. You say that you're a poet and you also mentioned the time that we met that you write poems every day or at least that's... Yeah, so almost. <laughs> yeah, that's your target. That's really um, inspirational and also motivational for people who often want to explore that creative side but because of their responsibilities or commitments, they're unable to do that. Yes. So we would really be grateful if you could share one of your poems with us today in this space. And I think that will really help ground the conversation and the need for us to allow ourselves to be passionate in so many different forms. Yes. Well, thank you, Agreer, for allowing me space to share a bit of my voice. So... I thought I would um, choose a poem that would kind of be reflective of some of the themes that we have covered today, you know, multi-passionism. So I am going to read this poem. The title is called My Childlike Eyes. At times I want to dissolve into the void, into the place where I laid nameless, where I possess no attachment to the weight of the world. A place where no tongue wags in my honor or in my disdain. Where I can be me, where I can be free. I want to rest free, held by the knowingness of the Mother Gaia. For the love has flowed without condition. She's seen my darkest clouds, yet carried me through. I'm wary of ever seeking the eyes of others. Of ever proving my worth to be seen or heard. I'm fatigued with the many masks I must wear, not including my own. I want a sweet liberation, that which only the nothingness holds. What I speak of is not death, not an uncoupling of this mortal coil. What I speak of is not a hermitage, not a recoil away from this world. No, what I speak of is the untethering of my mind from the cares of others from frivolous yearnings that hold no sense. I see for a new mind. Unweighted with the many burdens of fixed paradigms, 
I want to once again see the world anew. Like the first day I kissed the earth, hello. I ask again for my childlike eyes. Thank you so much for that, Egypt. You know, that poem was, it really acts like medicine. Just hearing that from you. It would be really nice if you could give us some insight into, you know, the context of that in terms of what was your mindset or just your mood at that time when you were writing that. Okay. Um, I wish I could actually say what my mood was, <laughs> but I'm one of those poets, like, what I actually write the poem? Especially if I wrote it months ago. I don't even remember. <laughs> But my inspiration, for sure, I can speak to that. It was, um, I guess it was that yearning within me to unlearn a lot of the educational and social conditioning, all the layers that have been placed upon my mind as to how I see the world, what I should think of, the, of, of certain things, how I should be. I wanted, I yearned for this connection to the aura of life, connection to amazement of life that we often have as children, especially young children, where we're just more embodied. Again, it comes back to embodiment. We're more embodied in, in our sense of self, in our connection and relationship with the world without all these different layers of judgments or um, stereotypes because we have not been fed or not been conditioned in that way. So this poem is very much fed from that place of yearning, of wanting to return to the simplicity that is life, to the simplicity of connection with ourselves, with others, without all the conditions that just are laid and laid upon us as we grow older. So I am in the process in my life right now where I'm just unlearning a lot of the false truths that were fed to me by others or by society to want to know the more the truths. They're like, there's some universal truths that are true, whether you believe them or not. It's like they're there, you know, na the natural laws of the universe, one. And secondly, to discover or remember my own truths rather than the ones I've just been fed by others that don't ring true to me. So it's very much a poem of returning to that childlike innocence of seeing and being in the world. Yeah. And just when you were describing that and explaining that, I was also thinking about the whole concept of rebirth, essentially being given that chance or that opportunity to birth yourself into the person that you wish to become. And also the time as children, we are often labeled as the subordinate to the adults in our lives, our parents or carers, teachers, any adult that has contact with us. And so in that sense, it's kind of like a paradox. We are allowed to be creative and, you know, we're not looked down upon when we are in tune with our creative side. But at the same time, our personalities are often dissolved into what the wider world wishes to see. Or, you know, from birth, we are kind of shaped into these people that will provide value to capitalism or to any yes. of these oppressive systems. So I feel like when I heard your poem, I automatically thought about rebirth, connecting back to our inner child and just growing from the sort of experiences that we've had. I think that's a form of rebirth. 
So, yeah. Thank you for that. It allowed me to reflect within that moment, which is great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Egypt, for coming onto the show and giving us so much insight within these few minutes. Um, I'm sure that this conversation really will hold opportunity for people who are not as familiar with multi-passionism or with embracing all the different elements and um, the different energies that make up who they are. Definitely for me, you know, when I was reaching out to you, I was so inspired and so excited to connect with you because all throughout my life, I've always felt very suffocated within these systems of not being able to pursue all these different passions that I have, all these different things that make me feel human. And I wasn't able to label it. So this conversation has really provided me that mechanism to label this desire to just live life fully as being multi-passionate. So thank you so much again. And I really hope that the listeners feel the same about this conversation. Thank you so much, Aguida. Likewise, the sentiments are reciprocated. When we first initially met, I felt so enlivened by our conversations, just by the depths that we explored. And I'm, you know, just having looked at the work that you're putting out onto the world, it's very inspiring. I think a lot more people need to connect with your message. And just having created a space and platform for powerful, insightful conversations to happen is a powerful magic. And for me, it's the medicine you are putting out in the world because um, I see medicine in different ways. <laughs> so it's the medicine that you are offering people. And yes, I just want to thank you for just coming across as an authentic being who is uncovering your own unique truth and stepping into your truth. That is a very empowering for a lot of people who do feel like they need inspiration to bring forth their voice. So Thank you for having me on and thank you for doing you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Egypt. Thank you for listening to the Mindful of Everything podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please support the podcast by giving a rating on whichever podcast platform you use and share the podcast within your community to extend listenership to those who also connect to the content. Visit mindfuloveverything.com to access Egypt's website and episode resources.